0: We are Crossroads Grace Church. Our purpose is to lead people to discover Jesus and to follow him fully. Today's message is taught by our lead pastor, Brian Hunt. From wherever you're listening, we hope that you are challenged and encouraged by this week's message. Listen, hey, great to be back with you. Uh, You guys that came early, or I should say on time, you're the holy people of the church, so well done to you. Um, So thank you for being here. My name is Brian. I'm the lead pastor here, and if you're here first time with your family, welcome. If you're joining us online, middle of the week, we want to say welcome. Welcome to you also, uh, but I've been gone for a little bit, just I've been at a conference in Orlando uh, this past few days of this week, we were up in the, uh, by Pine Lake, kind of doing some, uh, just some vision casting for the first few weeks of the first months of the year, and I was just overwhelmed just with, uh, just how, what God has been doing here, but also I've realized that I haven't done a good job of just celebrating how amazing our staff is, and so I just cannot believe the staff that I get to work with and to lead, and so if you would just help me encourage them a little bit this morning, they are an awesome awesome team um. If, if you see them with a silver badge or just a fatigued look, it's because they have to work for me. And so I just would encourage you just to tell them thank you for that. Um, but listen, I, we, I'm excited to be back because we're in the series called Send It Next Level. It's a series that we're looking at the book of First Thessalonians. And it's a really cool series because this church is one that is sending it for Jesus. And send it means going for it, not holding back, giving it everything that you have. They're sending it for him. But then these past few weeks, we've learned how they're actually taking it to a next level. uh, That they're following Jesus even a little bit more and a little bit more, even more than they were before. And what's interesting is that they're even going next level with some things that are really hard. Last week, we actually talked about death. And how difficult that conversation could be. But, but my friend Dr. Casey Tigert was here last week. And I just was so blown away by what he did. And grateful for him to be here with us. He said something that really stuck with me though. And it might have stuck with you too. He said that the story Jesus tells about death is that it isn't the final power. And that was really important for me to hear. Because sometimes you can get overwhelmed with all the stuff around you. Especially conversations of death and other things. And you can get distracted But a next level faith is when we keep the main thing, the main thing, that we don't focus on things that are outside of our control, but we rather focus on Jesus and and how important he is in our life. But you might be new here or just kind of kind of coming in. You're thinking, okay, what in the world does this next level thing have to do with anything? In fact, what is even this first Thessalonians thing all about? Well, let me pull this up to speed and kind of let you know where we're at. Uh, you should know that it, it, this this book, this First Thessalonians, was actually written to a church in a really crazy cool city. It, it was in the, it was in Thessalonica, a city you could even visit today if you wanted to. Town of about 200,000 people, very diverse town culturally, uh, socioeconomically. It was a high trade city also. So there was a lot of things happening there, and it was also known for having multiple gods that they would worship. So they would even worship Caesar as a god, as one of the gods that they would worship. And so when Paul and Silas came into this city to plant this church, they started to throw everything off because they were saying, hey, Jesus is the only god. And everybody around them was like, wait, hang on, we've had multiple gods. And some people liked it. Some people would follow Paul and Silas and they started the church. Others of them started the mob and they wanted to kill Paul. And so they rushed them out of town. But the whole time, even after they left, they continued, this church continued to follow Jesus despite a lot of persecution that they were up against. And Paul would continue to plant churches around the region, around the world, but everywhere he went, you would hear somebody say, hey, have you heard about Thessalonica? Have you heard about this church? Everywhere he went. And they would say, yeah, despite the persecution they're going through, despite the hardships they're going through, they are being more and more holy. They're being more like Jesus. They're sending it for Jesus. Jesus. In every possible way, they were telling about this kingdom of God that was coming that Jesus had told them to tell them about. So you would think that if a church was doing that, that they would just glide into eternity. They would just keep doing what they're doing. I mean, after all, if, if, you're, if, you are, if you're doing great things in the city that you're planted in, the church planter is happy with what you're doing, people are meeting Jesus, like what else could you possibly want? But that's not what we see. We don't see them kind of coast. Paul didn't allow them to do that, didn't allow them to be content. In fact, he actually wanted them to go to the next level in their faith. And that's where we read about it in 1 Thessalonians 4.1. We see, yes, for that matter, Paul writes, Brothers and sisters, we instructed you how to live in order to please God, as in fact you are living. Now we ask you and urge you in the Lord Jesus to do this more and more, he says. More and more. There's this expectation that they would go to the the next level when it came to their faith more and more. Now, I want to be very clear on this. The, The more and more we're talking about is not if I do more, God's going to love me more. Or if I do more, then I get more of salvation from Jesus. That's not what we're saying at all. Jesus took care of that once and for all. He says, I am the only thing that you need. You can't do more. And if you could do more, then you wouldn't need Jesus He's saying, no, 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 it's not about that. It's about when you look at your life and you see things that are out of alignment with where I am at, that you would want more and more of Jesus in your life so that you could then experience that full life that he's called you to have. That's where going to the next level is all about. And so as we're armed with this idea of more and more and this next level type of faith, we get to go to the last chapter of 1 Thessalonians today. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 is where we're going to be at. Also Mark chapter 13, if you want two different spots this morning. Uh, If you don't have your Bible with you, a great thing to do is to download the Crossroads Grace app. Uh, That's got all the scriptures that I'm going to be using, all the little points that I make. You can take notes right there, even email them to yourself later. But in that app, you're going to find other resources and ways that you can listen to other sermons that are there. A great thing to have, especially for next week, because next week we are not going to be in this space. We are going to be in a tent Down by the river, like a tent, like right outside the door, there's going to be a big tent there because we're going to have our service out there. Because y'all can't be in here because we're going to be renovating the the worship center for the next two weeks. So, new floor, new chairs, adding some more seating in here. Uh, And so, it's going to be just awesome. But we want to make sure that you guys know that y'all can't be in here. You got to be out there. Okay, so when you come in, you're going to kind of walk in the same way, right out those doors. Kids' ministry is going to be the same. That's all going to happen. We're just going to be in a tent out there. So, if you're thinking, aha, I can miss for two weeks, no, you can't, right? You got to come. We want you to come and be a part of it because it's going to be super fun. In fact, invite a friend, invite a few friends. It's just going to be so cool as we get beyond the walls and we get ready for what God's going to do back inside these walls in a couple of weeks. So, just be ready for that and be prepared. But today, we're going to tackle a topic that whether you realize it or not, you actually have wrestled with too. Something that you've thought about. Because today, we're going to ask the question, when is Jesus coming back right when is Jesus coming back and I know if you're here today and you don't know who Jesus is at all you're probably wondering a few things like this is a little weird number one who is Jesus um why did you lose him he's like where's Waldo is he you got to find him somewhere like how does this whole thing work so let me just set it all straight kind of give you an idea what we're talking about today so we're all on the same page So Jesus was a real figure in human history. Both Christians and non-Christian historians alike will prove that fact. He was, in fact, on the earth. But his coming to earth is different. Christians believe that he is the Son of God, that he was sent from heaven to earth to be able to to, to save us from our sins. And, And long before Jesus ever was physically on earth, we actually have heard about him in what's called the Old Testament of the Bible. The Old Testament of the Bible. Now, the Bible is broken into two sections, Old Testament and New Testament. Old Testament is when, before Jesus comes, but every page that you turn in there, you hear hints of Jesus, maybe even echoes of Jesus. You might even see like a a brief Jesus sighting in the Bible in the Old Testament. They were written by Jewish people, inspired by the the Holy Spirit to be able to to capsulize what's going to happen and tell people and prophesy about Jesus coming. And it was God's plan all along that there would be a savior that would come to save us from our sins to reconcile us back to himself because our sin had separated us from him and so we wanted to reconcile ourselves back to him and this all started back back with Adam and Eve but God knew that we needed help from our sin and so he sent Jesus in fact thousands of years before he came we heard about him coming until finally in the book of Galatians Paul summarizes what happens he says but when the set time had fully come God sent his son born of a woman born under the law to redeem those under the law that we might receive adoption to sonship. So what I love about this is it said there was a set time. God had a set time. He had a perfect time to send his perfect son to save us in a perfect way. There was a specific time that that happened. He sent his son Jesus at the right time to come as a baby to an insignificant family in the eyes of the world, but to bring a very significant sacrifice that the world needed desperately The greatest sacrifice the world has ever seen. And and Jesus, during this set time, he lived a very humble life. Again, he was a baby, but he spoke boldly as he grew up about this kingdom of God and about the grace that was found in him. And he brought alongside him 12 men, 12 disciples that he, he held closer to himself than anyone else. About three plus years they spent with him. And as he spent time with them, he he needed them close because he knew as he was going to leave eventually, this kingdom of God, this grace message would be taken by them to the entire world. But this message about grace and about love and about truth that Jesus brought was not met with open hands, but with clenched fists. In fact, the religious leaders hated him because of it. Because Jesus was taking the power from the religious people and, and, and putting it on himself instead of them. And so the power is what they wanted. So they falsely accused him of treason. Falsely accused him of saying, hey, you're, you're this, you're that. And they had this false trial. Jesus was convicted. He was actually then murdered and crucified on a cross. But the murder was actually part of the salvation plan for the very beginning. Because on that cross, Jesus would take all of the sin of the world and through one perfect sacrifice would make a way back to God for you and I on the broad sh- shoulders of grace. Grace is the free gift that God gave us through Jesus to be reconciled back to him. Jesus died, was buried in a tomb. Three days later, he resurrected from the dead and he defeated the one thing that you and I never could and that's death. He answered that question for us. He then actually showed himself to to about 500 people over the course of 40 days to prove that he in fact had actually rose from the dead. And then he commissioned the remaining 11 disciples in Acts chapter one, telling them these very important words. He says, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and the ends of the earth. And after he said this, he was taken up before their eyes and a cloud hid him from their sight. Jesus comes to earth. He lives a, he lives a human life for 33 and a half years. He's, he's crucified, died, buried, resurrects from the dead. After about 40 days, he then, he then ascends to heaven and that's where Jesus is at. He ascended to heaven in front of their eyes. But before Jesus left, he says, oh, by the way, I'm going to be coming back. He says in John 14, he says this. He says, and if I go, Jesus says, and prepare a place for you, I will come back. And I will take you to be with me that you also may be where I am. He says, hey, I'm taking off, but I'm coming back. And it's not going to be like Mary Poppins with that weird, like, like, like the umbrella thing that she floats in on. That's not how Jesus is going to come back at all. But he's saying, I am going to come back. And ever since he said he was going to come back, we as Christians have been waiting for that. We've been waiting. And as Christians, we anxiously await him coming back so that he'll bring justice to this unjust world that we live in and to reconcile us back to himself. Because Jesus came to die for our sins, to reconcile us back to himself. That's the only way it's possible. And when he returns, he will culminate that mission. That's why there's all this urgency. This anticipation by Christians to be able to have him return because we want to see it. I mean, don't you want to see it? Like, I want to see that. Because there's a part of all of us that wants to see things, be part of those things. Like, if you've ever watched the space shuttle take off, you're like, oh, man, that was awesome. I got to see that. Or if you're ever at a World Series game and you're like, oh, I got to see that happen. Or maybe your daughter or son is giving a graduation speech and you said, man, I'm I'm there. There are things in our life that we just want to see happen to be there when it happens. It it even happens in in your office from time to time. Like things that you just want to be there to be able to see. Like my friends Pam and Jim. And the same thing goes for quarterly reports. They are unreadable. They're just numbers and boring and blah. So what I was thinking is that maybe we should have some sort of graphic. Like if we have a bad quarter, put in a storm cloud. And when we have a good quarter, fireworks or A race car? Doesn't have to be a race car. Use your imagination. There's this cube on the screen. It bounces around all day and sometimes it looks like it's heading right into the corner of the screen and at the last minute it hits a wall and bounces away. And We are all just dying to see it go right into the corner. Pam claims that she saw it one day when she was alone in the conference room. Okay. (laughs) I believe she thinks she saw it. I saw it. I saw it and it was amazing. Who said I didn't see it? Did Jim say that I didn't see it? I saw it. We have a lot of colored paper here. Why oh why do we keep printing this on white? No, oh, come on! Yeah. I know. I know, it's bland. It's never gonna happen. saying. So you gotta believe. Maybe we could have some sort of riddle. Wait for it. Like something that you have to look for. Sort of a where's Waldo? Oh! All right, all right, right. let's quit while we're ahead. That was so awesome. That was awesome. Thank you. Some days I am just on fire. (laughs) Right? Right, you want to see it. You know, you want to see it, you want to be a part of it. And, And so we're saying like, man, I just want to see it. I want to know when Jesus is going to come, come back. Um, it, it, I don't travel all that much. I'm just kind of in this weird season of traveling right now, and so I've been in different parts of the country. I was at a conference and all that. I mentioned it. But but anytime I tell my, my kids that I'm going to be gone, they are like super, super bummed. they kind of like me or something like that. I'm not sure exactly why, but they, I'll tell them, like, hey, I'm going to be leaving, and, they'll, and the first question usually is, well, how long are you going to be gone for, and, and when are you coming back? followed shortly by what are you going to bring us. But that's different. That's a different thing. They, they mostly are worried about me coming back because when I'm gone, our family's not complete. Team hunt is just not the same when one of the teammates is away. So they want us to get back so that our family can be back together. When we're apart, it doesn't feel the same. The same is true for us while Jesus is away. Our soul is actually desperately waiting for Jesus to come back so that our family, our spiritual family, can be complete again. And so it's no wonder that they're excited for him to come back. And there's actually a term in the Greek that's known for this. It's called perosia, perosoria, and it's it's presence or arrival. That's what it means. Perosoria is is the presence or the arrival, which means that we're waiting with bated breath for the arrival of Jesus, that we want to have him in our presence. We want to see him. And, and And Paul speaks to this church, and he knows that they're also waiting for Jesus to come back too. Because he wants him to come back also. So, so it, it, as we dive into the text today, Paul's going to start to unpack this desire to know when Jesus is coming back. But he's going to bring it in a, kind of some interesting light as, with some interesting set of instructions. So chapter 5 of 1 Thessalonians, starting in verse 1, says, Now, brothers and sisters, about times and dates we do not need to write to you. For you know very well that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night, while people are saying... Peace and safety, destruction will come on them suddenly as labor pains on a pregnant woman, and they will not escape. Paul says, Listen, hey, I understand that you want to know when Jesus is coming back, but hang on, hang tight. We have no idea when this is going to happen. In fact, it's going to come on like a thief in the night. Which, if you really think about it, that's kind of a jacked up analogy, don't you think? You know, like, does anyone really like to be surprised? By a thief, you know? Have you ever met anybody that that, that comes to you and says, man, you're never going to believe, like, my house got broken into last night, and, and the dude just came in. He stole all my Beanie Babies. It was just brutal. Like, I didn't know. But I'll be honest. When he rushed through the door with the gun, it was kind of cool. Like, you know, I thought it was kind of neat. Like, you've never heard anybody say that, you know? And, and have you ever, and, and he has the audacity, Paul has the audacity to bring up pregnancy pains. So like, he's going to come on like pregnancy pains. Have, have you ever met any Any pregnant woman ever, ever, ever that's like, you know what? Being pregnant's awesome. You know, I love gaining weight that I don't really want to gain weight. And, uh, you know, like urinating when I don't want to urinate, you know, and stuff like that. Like, you know, and, and just like eating weird things. I love it. But I'll tell you what, the thing that I love the most, the best pregnancy pains. I love those. Yeah. Labor contractions, like all that. Love it all. Right. Now, listen, I'm a dude I have never experienced, but I've seen my wife in said pains, and it doesn't look like she's like, thank you, may have another. Like, she's not saying that. You know, they don't, there's a reason that women have short-term memory about that part so that they will have other children, right? If not, there would have been one child in the entire world, and that would have been it, right? So, so, so we don't get excited about have a thief being there, or pregnancy pains. They freak us out. So why specifically would Paul use the analogy of a thief? Well, I think the next line actually gives us an interesting clue. Because Paul points out, he says that some people are saying peace and safety. Now, what's that alluding to? Well, peace and safety is actually describing what the Romans would say. The Romans, when they would overtake a a city, they would say peace and safety. In fact, the actual term is called pax et securitas. They would say pax et securitas. It means peace and security. They would come into these towns that they overtake and they would say pax et securitas. In other words, Rome is here. One theologian would say that they actually are saying, salvation is here. There is no more danger. There is no fear. Rome is here. That's what they would say. Pax et securitas. And all of us want to feel that peace and security in our lives. We we all want to feel that. We don't like thieves in our house. We We want security. But at the same breath, I believe all of us want Pax et securitas when it comes to our souls, to our spirits. I believe that even the most hardened of atheists would have to wrestle with that question of what happens after I die? What, what really happens when I die? It's that bit of unknown that plagues the cracks of our souls and keeps us up at night. What happens? I mean, it would be great to know. It would be great to know what happens when this life is over because you can decide all kinds of things, right? You can decide if you need to go to work tomorrow or not. You know, like maybe I do. You, you can decide whether you're going to go on that vacation ever have to pay for it again. Right, you, you, you'd know if you could invest in Bitcoin and not be worried about losing your money. You could try, if you knew, you could feel all that security. But this isn't limited just to the unbeliever, but it's also for the believer in Jesus too. Because even though we know where we go after this, after this life is over, there's a bit of us that wants that Pax et securitas to be able to answer the question, when is Jesus coming back? We want the peace and security to know. Which is why when Paul tells us in that verse two, when he's going to come like a thief in the night, just drives us bonkers. But God's saying, I'm not going to let you guys know when it's going to happen. In fact, I'm going to surprise you. And oh, by the way, check this out. Jesus doesn't even know. Yeah, check this madness out. Mark 13. But about the day and hour, no one knows, not even the angels in heaven nor the Son, that's Jesus, but only the Father. Be on guard. Be alert. You do not know when that time will come. Jesus doesn't even know. So if, if, if you're somebody that likes to know things, that's going to drive you batty, isn't it? Because deep down, we want to know things. We don't want to be surprised. Now, I like surprises. Honestly, I really do. I mean, I'm the kind of guy that will, if my mom sends me my birthday present a little bit early, I'll save it and so I can open it up on my birthday. That's right, I'm that guy. Okay, I I love, uh, you know, people give me gifts unexpectedly, or I I love like a gentle, practical joke is super fun. I even love the fact we didn't find out about our kids' sex until they were born. I love the surprise of that. Now, my wife, oh, my goodness, does she hate surprises, okay? Like, punch you in the face and not feel sorry about it, Hates surprises, okay? She really, really took me 10 years, y'all, to realize that it wasn't just a cute little thing, but it was like a real deal for her, okay? Big time. It was a game changer. So because of this, I never buy her presents, ever, ever, ever. She buys her own presents because she wants what she wants. Like, that's it, Okay. I let her plan all the trips. I just hope I get invited. Like, that's just, I'm really hoping. I don't sneak up behind her and try to scare her because I like my life. Okay, I don't do that anymore. But we both agree that neither one of us would like to be surprised when we knew Jesus was coming back. Because let's face it, we would like to clean some things up before he came, to be ready. Maybe I shower, smell really good for him. I don't know. Make a welcome back sign on a macaroni or, or have Sheree make her chocolate caramel bunt drizzle cake to make a good first impression. You know, something like that. Or maybe there's some deeper things that we'd like to do. Maybe we'll, we'd like to stop swearing or clean up that part of our life that's a little bit nasty or maybe treat our wife better, or our husband better, or our kids better. Maybe we'll memorize Leviticus so we could show off when he comes back. I don't know what it is. Because we all want our life to to be better, want to be prettier for him if we knew that he was coming back. And frankly, for some of us, let's just be honest, if if some of us, we want to know when Jesus is going to come back so we can make some bigger spiritual decisions. I mean, could you imagine how many people would be Christians if they knew when Jesus was coming back? Like, How many people would just jump on that, band, Right. I mean, the line for that to happen would be longer than the line that Raiders fans are in to return their Antonio Brown jersey. Like, that is a long line, you know what I'm saying, right? <laughs> hey, listen, my Bengals are brutal, okay? So I got to, you know, whatever, right? But, but many of us think that way when it comes to Jesus. Last-minute approach, wait till the very end. Hey, guess what? I was that way. I was that way. Growing up, I had this weird idea. I called it the Super Mario Brothers faith, okay? Anybody remember Super Mario Brothers, that video game, you know? dun 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 right? You remember that? Not nah, stuck in your brain. You're welcome, everybody, right? But here's the premise of Mario. Mario, when you start off, you are itty-bitty Mario. And, and then you go along, and then you jump on the, the mushroom, right? Boom, and then you go, right? And then you're big, Mom, right? And then you can, you can get, jump on the flower and you got the fireballs and the stars there. You jump on that and you glow and you're invincible and everything. And so I'm thinking, I might like bring theology into my Mario Brothers game. And I'm like, oh my goodness, I understand now. Right? Because eventually Mario, when you're the big guy and, and, and like a turtle shell hits you, what happens? You go, right? You go back to small Mario. So in my brain, I'm like, oh my goodness, that's it. This is about theology. This is about, because I'm right now, I'm living as a small Mario. And when I jump on that mushroom, that's like accepting Jesus in my life. And so if I jump on it too early and then I run away and then I get hit by sin or something happens or I swear or I say something back to my mom, then I'm going to go back down to small Mario again. So I can't have that. So what I have to do is I have to live my entire life until I'm almost dead, jump on the mushroom right before I die, go to heaven, perfectly fine. Hello, big Mario, right? That's what I think. I'm weird. It's all right. I'm perfectly fine with it, okay? Okay. But it wasn't until later that I realized something, that that when I jump on the mushroom of grace and I follow Jesus, now nothing can hit me, right? No sin, no anything in my life because I'm forgiven, because I don't have to worry about that, because Jesus loves me. It's not about what I did, it's about what Jesus did for me. And so for those that might be waiting to that very last minute to follow Jesus and are saying, boy, if I could know the time and the date that I jump on the mushroom, I would say jump on it now because your life doesn't even begin until you start. So jump on and get going. Start living for Jesus now. So many of us do that, though. So many of us do that, though. So, so in your brain, why would Jesus keep that from us? Why in the world would he keep such a big secret from us? What would it benefit? uh, Wouldn't we benefit from knowing when it's coming? I mean, why would he want us to, why would he keep us in the dark? And it's that last question, this why would he keep us in the dark that Paul actually uses to explain why God chose not to tell us. Verse four chapter five says, "'But you, brothers and sisters, "'are not in darkness "'so that this day should surprise you like a thief.'" You are all children of the light and children of the day. We do not belong to the night or to the darkness. So my son right now is in an interesting phase of life. He's in that phase where he's kind of just like he has bad nightmares at night and so he kind of comes into our room quite a bit and uh, it's just really heartbreaking because he's really scared and and so I'm you know laying in his bed or my wife will lay in his bed with him and and uh, and it feels like we have like a newborn again you know you're not sleeping right but before we put him in bed we always have that bit of a game and parents you might know this about the level of light in the room and you have the dimmer switch you know and you just start slowly bringing it down until they say well stop right right there because they want just enough so it's kind of dark, but just enough light so they can see that the lamp is not like a lizard that's going to attack them in the middle of the night, right? So we spray it down with Febreze and all kinds of stuff, but you know, there's just about an amount, amount of light. And, and that's the same thing that we've got here. Paul is saying, don't be scared of the dark, because you already are walking in the light. And the light is Jesus. You've jumped on the mushroom. You know who Jesus is. So if you know who Jesus is, and your Pax et Securitas is in him, you don't have to worry about hours or days when Jesus is coming back. Because when you are worrying about times and days, you are missing out on valuable seconds and minutes to tell people about Jesus right now. Author Michael Holmes says it this way. He says that for believers, the day of the Lord, when Jesus comes back, is a cause of anticipation, not apprehension. We anticipate it. We're excited about it. What about the spiritual house cleaning we had talked about? Those things that we want to kind of get cleaned up before Jesus comes back. How do we prepare for that? Well, to understand that, we have to actually go back to what Jesus told us directly in Mark chapter 13. Um, after he talked about the fact that we need to be on guard and be alert, we don't know when the time is going to come. He says in verse 34, he says, It's like a man going away. He leaves his house and puts a servant in charge, each with their assigned task and tells the one at the door to keep watch. Therefore, keep watch because you do not know when the owner of the house will come back, whether in the evening or at midnight or when the rooster crows or at dawn. If he comes suddenly, do not let him find you sleeping. What I say to you, I say to everyone watch. So I, I think it's awesome that Jesus uses the analogy of, of, of your house and cleaning kind of idea here. Because I really believe that in this world, there are three types of people when it comes to cleaning your house or your approach to cleaning your house. Uh, there is the first group, which is what I would call uh, the constant cleaners, right? The constant cleaners, you know, people that are constantly cleaning. They have like a wet wipe on their hand at all times. There, there's, there's always something to be clean. Anybody going to fess up to that right now? You probably have antibacterial in your hand right now because you're getting, you know, you just want to make sure everything is clean. It's okay, right? That, those type of people. So that's, that's number one. Then there, then there is what I would call the, the, the cleaners as needed, right? Clean as needed. Anybody clean as needed? Okay, so this, that's fine, right? So basically this is that you clean when you have to. You know, like when your in-laws are coming over, or your friends are coming over, or like the king of Spain is coming over, or the new owner of the Chick-fil-A in town is like coming over, like important people are coming over. And in that point, you go to a mad dash, and you start cleaning everything around, right? You're wiping down stuff, you shave the toilet, like you get all that stuff figured out. You know what I'm talking about? You know what I'm talking about. Right? So you clean everything, so that when they come in, you're like, see, look, we're cleaning all the time. But then there's a third group of people that are like, cleaning like, what's that? You know, you know, they are they are the they're the ones that view their house as a, a, a loved house is a lived in house. You know, those are the type of people when you come over, they have to like they have to scrape all the all the all the all the, like the big Mac boxes off of their Like, just, just come on in, have a seat. just Right. You know what I'm talking about? No one's going to admit to be that person. OK, we understand that. All right. But it's just like, whatever, I'll clean whatever. Now, the first pre- people, the, the clean as they live, like those type of people, that's kind of what Jesus is talking about here. Now, now the other two groups, it's not like you're going to go to hell or anything like that. Jesus just doesn't love you as much. It's okay, but, um, right? <laughs> Kidding. But, but it's, Jesus is saying, well, what would happen, and, and, and if you think about it, if you're cleaning all the time, it doesn't matter when guests come. You're just always ready. You don't have to worry hurry up and clean because you're already in a state of cleaning. Jesus says, hey, don't worry about that. Just have your house in a state where it's already clean. Get your house in order and be ready, he says, Jesus didn't say that he might come back. He said he will come back. So we need to be focusing not on the darkness of the unknown when he's going to come back, but on the light of knowing he will. And so to do that, we we must be aware at all times, he says. Be aware at all times. So Paul would lean back into this back in 1 Thessalonians 5. We jump back to verse 6. He says, So then, let us not be like others who are asleep, but let us be awake and sober. For those who sleep, sleep at night, and those who get drunk, get drunk at night. But since we belong to the day, let us be sober, putting on faith and love as a breastplate and the hope of salvation as a helmet. Um, just honest time here, I've never once in my life ever, ever been drunk, okay? I've, I've actually never taken a drink of alcohol. I'm that much of a straight edge, okay? I fall out of bed, I cut myself, it's just what I am. A lot of reasons why I do that is nothing against like God saying you can't drink, nothing about that. But I have been, although I've never been drunk, I have been around a lot of drunk people. Like I've seen some stuff, Okay. My dad was a golf pro, and so when we would go to the pro shop in his, when we were growing up, we saw a lot of guys on the 19th hole, if you know what I'm saying, and they were a little you right, so that would happen, and then I played, when I played baseball, they would sell alcohol throughout the game, and so that was part of the experience, and goodness gracious, I played with people in golf that, um, that I love the back nine, because then I started to really get good as they started to go down, like that, that kind of thing, so, so although I have never been drunk, I can confidently say that I have experienced what drunk does to a person. And when you're drunk, you're not on your game physically, emotionally, cognitively, responsibly. Anything, Ali, is not really good in that time. Because when you're drunk, you're in an impaired position. You're you're not at your best. You're slower to react. You're not thinking clearly. You're not acting the way that you should be acting. So God's saying that even though you don't know what I'm coming back, it doesn't give you permission to act a fool. It doesn't mean that you can lose your mind. It doesn't mean that you can not have self-control. He says, no, hang on. You should have your house in order all the time. And if you're ever confused about what you're supposed to be doing while while Jesus is gone, he's actually very, very, very gracious and very clear about what we should be doing. Matthew chapter 28, he gives us this. He says, therefore, that's us, go and make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. That, that's what we should be doing. Jesus says, remember, your mission is not to sit and wait. It's to go and do. Like, get going, he says. And, and later in the book of Acts, before Jesus ascends to heaven, he actually places his disciples in charge We've read part of this already, but he would tell them, he said, he said to them, it is not for you to know the times or dates the father has set by his own authority about when he's coming back, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Jesus says, don't concern yourself with things that you don't need to worry about. Stay focused on the mission at hand. So I want you to remember this line today, that our focus is not on, what, not on when he's coming back, but on what he did while he was here. Our focus is not on when he's coming back, it's on what he did while he was here. So often people get caught up in deciphering when Jesus is coming back, and they miss out on what Jesus called them to do. I find it almost comical to see people spending days and hours of their life figuring out the hour and day of Jesus' return when he even said, I'm not even going to know, and neither are you. So what would happen if we took all that energy into finding out where our peace and security would happen from him coming back and redirected it toward people that were far from God? Redirected it toward the mission that he actually called us to? What if we cared for people that were in the dark more? Because there are two ways that you can live your life as a Christian. There, there's one way that you can live your life, and I'll call it the calendar way, right? Right? You can live it the calendar way and it's horrifying to live this way, right? right? You, you just have this calendar and you're always trying to figure out the next time when Jesus is coming back and the next time, you know? This isn't an awe moment. This is horror right here. This is a horrible thing, right? You're just like, oh, maybe it's this day or, or maybe it's this day or maybe it's this day, right? You are just focused on that. You have your eyes down all the time. <laughs> like you have your eyes down all the time. That's one way you could live. Or the other way that you could live is like this. You lived your life like a flashlight. And he said, you know what? I'm not going to worry about times and dates and hours. I'm just going to live my life as the light that God had called me to live. That I'm supposed to be shedding light on this world, on this area. And and so if I find somebody that's in the dark, I'm not going to show them a calendar. I'm going to say, hey, why don't you show, follow me, I've got the light. Let me tell you about Jesus. Let me be an example to you because if you didn't know, this world that we live in is very, very, very dark. And so for us to be a a different maker in that, to be the light of this world, that's what God is telling you. He said, listen, I came into this world. I sent my son into this world to be light. Don't have your head in a calendar. Have your eyes up looking for people that don't know me as their Lord and Savior. He says, let me be the light. So my friends, we can either be a calendar or we can be a light. The choice is up to you. And how we decide is truly going to tell us whether or not we're willing to go to the next level in our faith. Because going next level in our faith is understanding that we are the hands and feet of Jesus to a world that is lost without him. Why did Jesus not tell us when he's coming back? So To avoid exactly what's happening right now. He wants us to worry less about the date and more about the people that are around us. Which is why he ends the, I think, this section of 1 Thessalonians so well. He says, For God did not appoint us to suffer wrath, but to receive salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. He died for us so that whether we are awake or asleep, we may live together with him. Therefore, encourage one another and build each other up just as, in fact, you are doing. I love the fact that he says we need to build each other up. Guys, if we have our heads and calendars and trying to figure out this and that or trying to clean up our life on our own, we lose sight of the fact that he said, build each other up, be there for each other, be light to one another. Don't be drunk, be sober. Don't be dark, be light. Don't be asleep, be awake. All these these opposite ways of looking at it, always the one that he wants us to be is the one that's in movement. Light, awake, sober, all those things give you the chance to be in movement. He's saying, go and do it. And while you do it, build each other up build each other up because if you believe what you know that Jesus is who he says he is it should change everything about your life everything about your life and my prayer for all of us as a church and as people is that when we leave these walls each and every week we go with a flashlight in our hands and if you're watching online right now that you would be a flashlight wherever you're at right now and I know it's hard I know it's hard to turn that flashlight on. It would be so much easier to look down upon people and say, you better be ready. You better be ready and judge them as opposed to loving them and coming alongside them. Had Jesus done that to us, that cross would look very, very different. But that cross right now doesn't look like judgment. It looks like freedom. Because all the judgment, all the sin, all the shame went on his shoulders so it would never have to land on ours. He died for us, in our place, for our sins, to show us hope, to give us light in a dark world. And then he says, go and do something with it." So my friends at communion, we get to remember him. We get to take communion here a few minutes, but then right after that, oh my goodness, we get to worship. We flip the service on its head so that we could worship and we could worship well as we exit here today, knowing that God loves us so much, that Jesus is the light of the world for us and his spirit can change this, but we have to receive that. So at communion, we're going to pass trays in front of you and you'll find two cups in there, bread in the bottom, juice in the top. Take them both out, hold on to them. We'll come back together and commune together as a body of believers. If you don't know Jesus here today, it's fine. You can let the tray go by, no problem at all. But if you do believe in him or you want to accept him as your savior today, know that in your hand is a bit of light, light that God has called us to go and do something with. And so my prayer for all of us is as we reflect, as we reflect, we can hear from God what he would want us to do and that when we leave here, we would be able to be the light that he's called us to be. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord God, I just come before you as a broken man that does not have everything figured out. And I'll be honest, there's some times that I have prayed, Jesus, just come back. Come back now because it would make my life easier. It would explain some things in my life. But God, you told us that None of us have been afforded that. And so God, I just pray for all of us now that we would not worry about darkness or thieves or pregnancy pains or anything, but that we would be able to focus on you and know without a shadow of a doubt where we would be whenever you come back, that we would have our house ready now. And if there's anyone here today that has a messy house because of their sin, that they've been trying to clean it up on their own, only to look and find another mess, that today they might realize that, Jesus, you are the reason that it's possible, the only way it's possible to clean that, that your love for us, your death on the cross took our sin from us. And if we will just claim you as our Lord and Savior, if we repent of our sins and we move from the past to the present in you, that you will forgive us. And so, God, we claim that right now, and I pray that anyone that doesn't know Jesus would simply cry out to Jesus as their Savior and follow him. But for the rest of us, God, those of us that know you, would you help our lives to illuminate a little bit better and that we would get our heads out of the calendars and we would get our eyes up to the light. Help us to do that, not by our strength, but by yours. Jesus, you're good. We love you. We thank you. It's in your name we pray. Amen. If you've discovered Jesus and this ministry has helped you follow him fully, join us in reaching others by partnering with us today. You can give through our Crossroads app or at crossroadsgrace.org. Thank you for listening and remember to subscribe to enjoy more messages like this. Now go and follow him fully.